This episode of Animal Laters is brought to you by Gradient. Gradient is the brand reaching open-minded, culturally inclusive, justice-oriented millennials through in-depth reporting, long-form features, and thoughtful commentary on what's happening in the world around us. If you like this podcast, be sure to check out some of the other great shows that are part of the Gradient Podcast Network, like Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey, a podcast that explores the lives, stories, and adventures of some of the happiest people on the internet. Check out this clip. I mean, you spend time with kids all the time. You're constantly in a new elementary school, middle school, um, talking to kids, speaking to kids. What else are you learning from kids? You know, like what's something that kids have to teach us that we've forgotten? Yeah, it's just about boundaries, I believe, you know. Um, There's no evidence that I can point to. Again, this is all just sort of experiential for me. But I think that the more we put up these walls of familiarity the further we get away from having childlike experiences right and so when you're a kid you leave your house every day and you experience new things and if you're lucky you're surrounded by people who love you enough to let you experience those new things and um, fall down and make mistakes and then get back up and go and try other things it seems like after a while though we tend to put up these um, walls that determine not not just what we like, but what we think we like. And we end up in positions where you're getting further and further away from having childlike experiences. Check it all out at gradient.is slash podcasts. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at gradient.is, that's gradient, D-O-T-I-S, or just search for Gradient and subscribe to their podcasts in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Gradient, news, culture, and the human experience. Hey everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to our 20th episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. Today on the show, we have Andrew Vuko. Andrew is an incredibly talented freelance director and animator based in Toronto, who has worked with massive clients such as YouTube, Google, and HP, but also has an impressive collection of beautiful and inspired personal projects that you should definitely check out. Today, we'll get into the story behind Andrew and his work, chat about the importance of his personal projects, and discuss the concepts of originality, collaboration, and personal style in animation. I'm excited to get into all this and more on this week's episode of Animalators. Well, Andrew, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, big fan of your work. I, I, your, your, your style and your keyframing skills are ridiculously awesome. Uh, and I'm, yeah, just really excited to have you and, and talk to you today. No, thank you for having me on, man. It's a yeah. pleasure. Um, well, as we kind of start e- each episode, I kind of like to get a little bit of your your background and your story and and kind of how you uh, entered into uh, the animation career that you're currently in. Um, so I, I guess I start out like where um, did kind of maybe just like the create creativity and, and the arts and animation kind of enter um, your life? Yeah. So um, it was funny growing up, like kind of like since high school, I've had like a lot of obstacles in terms of uh, blocking my creative life for me. <laughs> and that kind of found its way all the way up to the end of uh, college. So basically, like, my parents sent me to this private school when I was in high school, and it was all, like, dedicated to, like, focus on maths and sciences and stuff like that. So I really didn't get an opportunity to um, explore the arts there that much. 
my parents knew there was like something creative about me, blah, blah, blah. This is my child, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, basically they sent me to this, like, it, it was this guy who did this tests on like, you know, where you should take your career and what's right for you. And it's kind of like exploring your personality. And I cheated on that test (laughs) (laughs) because I thought I could never be an artist uh, just because my view of what an artist was, um, was that you just had to have like a natural ability for it and you didn't have to work at it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was something that was just gifted upon you. And and I had that idea. So I, I was like, no, no, like I meant to do something else. So I kind of like swayed that test into uh, something that was more like sociology and psychology. And that was kind of my first, um, you know, big impact into like the whole imposter syndrome thing. You know, yeah. it's like I am not worthy. So uh, because of that, I went to York University uh, for sociology. And with that, I took like a communications course, learned a bit there. Uh, from there, I was kind of starting to get interested into film. And I decided I'm like, okay, I'm going to take like a leap of faith from here and uh, just go to a film school, you know, like and, and not like film theory, like kind of like more hands on. So uh, from there, I went to uh, Toronto Film School, which is where I really started getting into like you know all the different aspects of like this creative life did that come from like a desire to become like a filmmaker director making movies you know what like that um i felt like i always had like an eye for composition yeah (laughs) you know what i mean and i was always kind of making kind of I, i was essentially like taking pictures of friends and and making comics and photoshops and stuff like that and I kind of got like an idea of like how to work a camera in there. So I knew how to compose people and shots and this and that. And I'm like, you know what? This might be kind of a good avenue yeah. for me to explore. <laughs> and, and, let, and that was kind of like where I went from there was I was just kind of like, yeah, this seems like a good idea. This seems like a good <laughs> idea. Not really like giving too much of like deep thought of where I was going, you know. <laughs> so I just kind of jumped and said, okay, film school, let's do this. And the first assignment I had there was to direct a music video. And I was like, wow, like, I'm so excited. Like, you know, I love like music and this and that. So I got uh, a close friend of mine to uh, work on the music for me. And we brought in uh, the singer and stuff like that. And they were really difficult to deal with. And they just, there was like the day of the shoot and they didn't show up. What? And I was just like, and that, like, that broke me. That just completely, like, destroyed me. And I was like, I can't, I can't handle this. I can't deal with working with people. (laughs) You know what I mean? So uh, I kind of just fell back again in terms of, like, my confidence level. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, I'm here. I'm in film school. I'm going to do editing. You know, that feels like a safe bet for me. (laughs) So it was the same path where, you know, like a lot of like the motion guys, they started out in editing. Uh, it was that around that time where I'm like, you know what, it might be good to, to learn some after effects here and there. Yeah. And I, yeah, that that's kind of where it started off. And I took like a gap year between finishing that 
And uh, when I started at Seneca VFX to really start messing around with After Effects, and I kind of just segued into that a little bit. Okay, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and during that, yeah, like during that gap year, I actually went to, uh, to like this course they were having at Stanford University, like for two weeks. And they, it was like this Maya dynamics class. And I'm like, yeah, this seems like a good idea. And I got, <laughs> I flew all the way there. I got there and it was like insanely complex that I actually had to drop out and fly all the way back. So it's like oh, wow. all these, like, that's crazy. All these kind of like obstacles yeah. that I had to kind of like take one step forward and two steps back. And like, am I really like <laughs> meant to be in this line of work or not? And, uh, yeah, like I, I just from that experience, I decided just to go to Seneca and uh, start something there for myself. Yeah, very cool. So, what was like your intention of switching over to Seneca? Did you think like, oh, like maybe I'll do some visual effects, or maybe I'll just continue uh, becoming a better editor, or was like motion design and animation kind of on the forefront of your mind at that point? Uh, you know what? Like I just still felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah, and that I should just be doing something at least because <laughs> uh, again like that gap year i was just kind of like messing around keying stuff and i'm like i probably should get my life together at some point <laughs> so uh i went there and i told myself like this is the last time i'm going to school because i had been to yeah like go over like york university film school like i went to the stanford you know and i'm like i i don't know how much more school i can do by this point <laughs> yeah so I went there and I started kind of messing around a little bit there in terms of like with 3D and stuff like that. And then we had our first assignment and everybody completely crushed me on the first assignment. Like just destroyed <laughs> me. And like I put like zero effort into it. But that was something that really sparked like like a fire where I became really competitive. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like just ready to kind of go at it with my classmates in that regard <laughs> like i'm like i can't like you know this is the last time i'm doing this like i gotta make this count and i feel like that competitiveness kind of comes uh from something else that i had done throughout high school and uh you know university and college which was the the game ddr dance dance revolution yeah yeah <laughs> that's so funny yeah yeah that uh so i was really heavily into that game like <laughs> i loved it i remember like the first time i was shown like the dance pad it yeah. was in like a friend's basement and i'm just like what the hell is this thing you know <laughs> like and the like i was just kind of getting into like um early electronic music and I was just writing stuff off of like the nineties, you know, like technotronic and all that shit. And yeah. basically I was like, Holy shit, this is like, you know, and you could be active. And so I, I started playing in my friend's basement and we started going to arcades almost every other day. I would say like they have it at like movie theaters and this and that, like the legitimate arcade. Oh yeah. And we would actually like go just to like play and like, you know, and show off a bit and this, <laughs> you know, like you wanted, you're growing up, you want to be the center of attention. So we, we were doing that almost exclusively for, I don't know, like probably like three to four years or something like that. And 
I like that. That was kind of my life, <laughs> you know, and and that's kind of why because I just didn't have any interest in school. I was just like going there, playing all the time, and I ended up working at an arcade just to play that game. So like every penny that I made was just going into the machine, and that really is what ended up shaping the rest of my life. Is that game? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it and 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 it's because not only as like an animator, but like I've met like um, my best friends, you know, playing that game uh, through that. I, I actually met my wife. <laughs> Are you serious? That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Like, so it, it's really had a big impact and, and just going back to, you know, all the education, like the, the Seneca, the film school stuff, I, I didn't learn any uh, design and animation there. Like really, like that was not never the, the primary focus. Yeah. Everything had come from this game because it's a rhythm-based game. Yep. Right. Uh, so basically, you're you're dealing with like precision timing, focus, uh, pattern recognition. There's like the visuals in the background. Yeah. For someone who doesn't know what DDR is or Dance Dance Revolution, could you maybe like give like a, just a quick explanation of what Dance Dance Revolution is? Yeah. So basically, you, like everybody has probably come across this game at yeah. some point. It's um, at theaters and arcades everywhere. It's basically there's uh, two dance pads. There's an up, down, left, and right arrow. And you can uh, choose songs on there that have specific arrow patterns. Yeah. And they rise from bottom of screen to top. And you have to hit every arrow in sync with your feet. Yeah. So it's kind of like dancing on the spot. <laughs> And, and it made it made way for like a whole like genre of games almost like Guitar Hero and Garage Band and all that kind of stuff too like those wouldn't exist without DDR I feel like yeah it really did and thank God for that because I think <laughs> that's uh, I think that game is really important not just for like the fitness level but again like it it really taught me timing yeah you know and um, and pace. And that I feel has really uh, been the primary reason for uh, me animating because like I've never, you know, again, I've never really learned any traditional animation methods, this and that. (laughs) It's just kind of been all taken from that game. And again, like the the design sense as well, it, it, like you're just looking at uh, backgrounds all day, yeah. like the vision, like, like the crazy visuals of the, of that <laughs> yeah. game. So, so that's kind of where it all stemmed out from. <laughs> that's incredible. And I, man, like it's so funny to hear you say that because, like, I had never thought that watching your work before. But man, like you can totally see it. Like you can totally see that influence, like from DDR, and then like you working in an arcade. Like I can totally see how that that has like shaped your style and your work. And and I love that. Like I love seeing how people's stories and like past experiences and interests like seep into like their creativity and, and their art and their work. And yeah, that's, that's incredible. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty, it got pretty crazy. We were entering like a lot of competitions oh, you serious? and stuff like it. that. Yeah. Like it got, it got <laughs> kind of to a point where we're just going around, uh, the province and and just entering like random things small cash prizes yeah and eventually like i hit a wall where i 
was like holding like fourth in Canada at one point. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and, and this I, is like all pre Twitch and everything, right? Like, yeah, li- like yeah. live. Oh man, is it still a thing? Like, do people Twitch DDR now? I feel like that'd be so entertaining. To be, I I am so out of the, <laughs> I'm really? so out of the game. If I tried to play, I would like. I would like curl up in a ball probably at some point. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'd be I much better that. than me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd look well, like a fool. Um, <laughs> it's always the best. <laughs> yeah. So why, why don't, why aren't you like number one in Canada now? DDR. Well, honestly, once I kind of hit that, that wall, um, of number four, I, I, it was kind of a, <laughs> like, that's where I kind of had to start shifting, you know, my life. And it's like, I, you know, you make like three hundred, four hundred dollars in a tournament. It's like that's not going to be enough yeah, to pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I can't do this for the the rest of my life, sort of thing. And uh, yeah, no, the, like there was definitely a shift um, during like my time, like at York, where I was like, okay, like got to put more focus into the education. But yeah, like just to to kind of loop back forward, that's kind of where um, I was really competitive with that game. So I became really competitive in class hmm. <laughs> because I needed that, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, not only I needed that competition, but it's like a healthy dose of fear as well, you know, of like, I got to play keep up or I'm going to get left behind. Yeah, for sure. So after school, how did you kind of shift into um, doing this type of work and, and this type of work uh, for freelancing? Uh, right. Like after, not it was actually not even after school. Like I got picked up by a studio when I was still at Seneca. Oh, nice! So I actually had to leave, and I never finished the course. <laughs> so it was kind of like a, a tough decision where it was like at the time it was like a, a really great opportunity for me because I had never you know worked anywhere like that before and it was for this place called Big Studios in Toronto that does like a lot of like 3D sports graphics oh, cool. type of work yeah. and, and that really appealed to me because of just like the energy within those graphics and I thought um, that was a good fit for what I wanted to do Yeah. so I decided to just leave early and uh, take up three months there and I think like within two months of me working there, um, they had to lay me off because there was like some huge economic thing that was happening in the city. And like, they had to just let like most of the people go and downsize. And oh, no. I, yeah, like, so that was like a, my first like dose of like the real world. <laughs> yeah. And from there I, I kind of just started my freelance career, you know, and like, I've never really been full time since then and uh i've worked at a bunch of smaller studios where uh, i was able to pick up like some design you know knowledge here and there but i kind of had to pave my own way for that stuff and eventually i ended up at uh, tendril oh cool very cool yeah as full full time or freelance or how, what was that situation yeah, like I, I was still freelance, but it actually turned into a permalance situation. Okay. <laughs> where I was pretty much there exclusively for like a year to a year and a half. Yeah. And I felt like that's kind of where I really began to cut my teeth and learn about design within production. And 
like I was doing, like I was hired there for a 2D job at the beginning, but eventually I was like, you know what? I really want to do 3D. And I felt like that's where a lot of things were going. And I had a really heavy interest in that. So they said, you know what? Like, you know, we'll support you and you just show us that you can do something and we'll let you do it. So I worked on like a little personal thing, show them that. And that's kind of what just started uh, my year of 3D there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was great. I, I learned a lot. But there was this one point over that year and a half, right at the end, where I, I hit a wall where I just couldn't do it, like do a project that they had set up for me. So essentially, like I was building myself up there to be a generalist. And there was like this crazy, I don't know, animation project that I just couldn't do. So it, like it like broke me like completely. Mm. And I had to like, talk. Uh, couldn't do it from like just like a skill set perspective, like just didn't know how to make it look good or like what what about the project was so difficult? It was uh, it was a skill set thing. And yeah. the problem was, is like when I said, I want to do 3D, it was very easy for me to say that at the time. Like, I want to do 3D. Let me do this. It's like, okay. But I didn't know what was involved. Like, I didn't, <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know all, like, the steps, like, um, you know, and subsections of that, like, oh, modeling, yeah. texturing, lighting, rendering, like, all, it, like, animations, its own complete thing within that. And I kind of brought it upon myself to become the generalist. And that was really, it was good for me in terms of like picking up stuff, but it was really bad for, for me in terms of uh, my stress level, <laughs> my health, you know, because there was always so much to learn and so much new stuff coming out that oh, it was yeah. hard to play keep up. It's incredible and, and very daunting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just kind of like hit a wall at some point where I just, didn't have the skills to do the animation and like I remember that project very vividly because it, it it really like broke me like and I was it was the first time I couldn't do something and I was I've always had this thing where and I'm sure a lot of other people feel this way where they they love the challenge because it uh, pushes them to do even better things nobody likes to play it safe yeah but this was the first time I felt there was like that hurdle that I couldn't jump over, <laughs> you know, and it, 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 I had to sit down and say like, listen, like I actually can't do this. Like I, wow. I can't do this and I yeah. have to kind of step back from this project. And they, they were totally supportive of it. And they said like, you know what, like, it's okay. We understand you gave it your all, but there was a shift there where I had to go from being a generalist to specializing. Yeah. And that's where that's where that decision came from to go from 3D to 2D and just to focus on like 2D. And it was around that time I I had stepped back from Tendril to kind of explore, you know, those options, you know, and what that had to offer. And uh from that I kind of started my own first personal project which was original and ended up being that. Yeah, very cool. That's that's interesting. So like you, I don't know. That's a that's a pretty big turning point. Um, why why did you choose to do a personal project at, at that kind of crucial like you know going from generalist 
to, you know, being, being really good at, at my one thing. I guess first, like, how did you decide that that's, that's what you wanted to focus on? And then next, why, why did you choose uh, to do original? I think it's because I, I was always kind of had a love affair with, like, um, 2D. And yeah. that's where, why I came, uh, like, I came for at Tendril, you know, and, and then I made the decision to shift to 2D and, and I wanted to shift back. But I had been doing that for, like, a, a, again, like a year, a year and a half. And uh, I had to prove that I was, you know, <laughs> still in this game of, like, yeah. 2D, right? And uh, so I left and and basically I was just trying to come up with, an idea of what to do, you know, like a, like a topic that I wanted to, to, like that was important to me. And there was like a months to months period of where I just, I just didn't want to commit to something because I didn't feel like it was good enough and it was worthy of my time because being, being freelance for so long, I learned to appreciate my time, you know, and time was like, uh, the most important commodity that I have. So uh, again, I became very all or nothing where, you know, if I'm going to choose to do something, then I'm going to do it full on, like full measure, you know, a hundred percent. So I wouldn't commit to a project because it's like, ah, oh, this has been done before, you know, like I don't like the look of this, this and that. Yeah. And I just wouldn't start anything. So eventually I had that eureka moment. It's like, well, like you don't want to start anything because you feel like there's nothing left to be done. Like, why don't you just talk about like that very thing? Oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's on your mind because I was just really like feeling shitty at that point because I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, and I'm like, you know, what? I should probably take this feeling and actually talk about it because like I can't be the only person going through this right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. How'd you? What'd you? How'd you go about doing that? Did you do some like research? Um, or did you just kind of like you start writing or what was your first step in that process? Yeah. So that I was just like, I wonder what, like, I can't be the only person thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. Let me see yeah. what they have online, you know? And then I was just like, started reading essays, this and that. And there were lots of different thoughts, um, you know, over the century <laughs> of, of what this process is and what it means to, um, like an artist. And I felt there was all these separate ideas with all valid points, but they were all kind of like disconnected from each other. Mm, and I yeah. thought like, oh, what if I combine like this thought with this thought and this thought, with this thought. And then I kind of like started taking all these little pieces of everything else and, and put it into its own essay. And I was like, whoa, like this is actually something that I can work with now. And it, yeah. it, it kind of like speaks to that whole concept of like what I believe is um to be original right like is to be inspired by different people different pieces and kind of build something upon that you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and that's what what i was was starting to do and i had never um really been so aware of that and i just decided to really move forward with this and i'm like this is something that i you know, I need to say, and I have to come out with like a bang, you know, and I committed probably like a year to it Oh wow! in terms of like, not, not like a full year of production, yeah. but just like, you know, I would like do a week here and then I would step away for like three and then this and that. And I had some like really 
like trying times during that in terms of like the production process, <laughs> you know, and, and finding out what my capabilities were and, uh, and yeah, like that, that really was a project that I, the response was overwhelming <laughs> and it was something that really, uh, set me on a path to where I am right now, you know, where yeah. I built something for, for myself and what I felt was important. And that is something that I had wanted to continue to do for a long time. And because not, not because of what I got back from it, but just had the satisfaction at the end is like, I actually, you know, <laughs> did something that I felt was needed to be said. Yeah, for and, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was, yeah, very important. And from there I started um, getting a lot of 2D work, which was, you know, I was super appreciative of, and yeah, that's kind of like the jumping off point, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. No, and I'd love to jump back a little bit to that that original short because I mean, yeah, I mean, it was one, it was it was incredible, um, and and was received incredibly well online. If if you haven't seen it, uh, listeners out there, go go check it out. Um, it's a fascinating piece, and emotionographer also did uh, a great write up on it. Uh, it's totally worth reading for for even more um, kind of in depth. Um, just behind the scenes in that project. You guys talked a little bit about the the sound design on it, which was awesome. Um, and you've got a, um, seems like you've got a great partnership there um, with Cypher. Is that correct? It It's John Black of Cypher Audio. Yeah. And yeah, like that, that was kind of the first time we, we had, you know, worked on the same project, but never together at our time at Tendril. Yeah. He, he works for them um, quite a lot. And like, yeah, his, his involvement of that was, was incredible. Like I am, we've had a really great working relationship ever since almost exclusively. And we understand each other really well and we know how to challenge each other well. And it's just a really great, healthy relationship. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but no, just like in, in, and back to that, that process. I mean, I, I know you said that, I mean, that, that's quite a while of, of a period of a year kind of working on the, the same project. Um, like what one that's, that's a long time to work on a project, especially one that's, um, you know, a couple minutes long or I'm trying to remember how long original was. Um, but like, I don't know, do you feel like, what are some of the things that you learned throughout that process of, of making this original piece? Was there a lot of stuff that you made and had to scrap or like, cause I mean, over a year period of time, I'm sure you, your, your animation skills, your illustration, design, composition skills, all are improving. Um, I don't know. How did that process go throughout such a long period of time? Yeah. What was interesting is it, uh, it started a lot more detailed in terms of like the, the aesthetic of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I actually had to start reducing it because I felt like I was, <laughs> and this is like a little bit backwards, but I, I felt like I was putting a little bit too much of me in it. Mm-hmm. And it was such like a, uh, broad topic that I kind of wanted it to be accessible to everybody, like in terms of like the look of it, you know? So it's, uh, it's very clean, uh, like, you know, a couple colors, like hits on gray. So I, I just wanted it to be, I just wanted to make a project that was universal in terms of the design. And I, I really tried to reduce what I had been putting in there from myself. 
And by doing that, I just kind of infused more of myself into that because <laughs> I didn't really know what my style was, you know, yeah. like, or like, and I, I still don't even feel like I do have one, but, uh, like I, I just started making everything really clean, you know, and that's really defined my work from, from that point on. I think that's interesting. Um, and it's interesting to hear me say that you don't think you've found your style. Um, and I, I, that's, that's a pretty big conversation, I guess, as far as like, uh, finding your style, developing a style. Like I, like personally, when I look at your work, like I feel like it, it, it comes from a certain perspective and voice. Like I feel like you have your own brand of, of kind of minimalism, line art, and um, just some interesting shading. And yeah, you just make really, really strong composition and design choices. Uh, and I really appreciate it. And and I feel like it all fits very well together. Is that something that you? Is that just something that came out naturally? Is that something you're kind of aware of? Or do you just kind of do what you think is best for each project? Yeah, so with with my style, I guess, if you want to call <laughs> myself having a style. Sure. yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't have a romantic answer to that because I, I just do what I feel is right. Yeah. You know, and I've been really playing with like reduction of like shapes and, you know, geometric forms and stuff like that. And, and that's just what I'm doing right now. Like I, I don't have any answer to that. Yeah, no, (laughs) that's totally fine. Yeah. I just do what feels right. And, um, what makes most sense for that brand or that project. And I just go at it. Yeah. Well, and it seems like you've had, I mean, some really, really fun projects, especially the, it's fun hearing about your kind of love of, of arcade and and games and ddr and then you were able to do the youtube gaming piece which i i come back and watch that occasionally i just i love that piece it's so fun um could you tell us a little bit about that experience and and how youtube came to you for that piece yeah so that project was actually through tendril so i I went back and worked yeah like i i went back and uh did a little thing for them for that and uh, that was a bit of a process where uh, we were developing, you know, a lot of boards based on that YouTube gaming heart, which is all like the fractal like triangle. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know that logo, but it uh, we kind of had to base a design on triangles. And from that, I, I wanted to make all these like classic games, <laughs> you know, like Galaga and all that and like the Legend of Zelda, et cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera. It's awesome. And, and I, we myself and uh, one of the directors there, Leo Mateus, uh, were presenting rounds and rounds of these boards. And eventually all the designs, like I would say 99% of them ended up on like the floor oh, <laughs> and we wow. couldn't use them. Wow. And I was just like, Oh man, like this is like, <laughs> this is one of those projects, you know? And, and I had a little bit of a gap uh, where I just was like, screw it. I'm just going to animate them. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know? And I, I, I just did all of that within like a, like a couple weeks and I really started experimenting, um, you know, with, with smearing, which yeah. I had never really done before with really simple forms. And, and that really got like a snappy effect that I was just not used to. <laughs> yeah. Super rad. <laughs> and, I love it. And, and yeah, like, so I, I basically was just like, you know what, I, I got to put this online and but like obviously like it, it wasn't it was done for youtube but it was never used as long yeah. as everybody knows that <laughs> yeah no that's interesting i didn't know that so is is gaming like still a part of of your life do you still do you still play games often is um yeah because i know you said you kind of stopped ddring um but yeah is that something you still you still do 
Uh, I do. I I play games based on my appreciation of a film. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like I I, I kind of like choose pick and choose games which are cinematic. Yeah. You know, like they're probably like the Uncharted games and The Last of Us and stuff like that. Totally. Uh, which kind of like is is that level of immersion rather than something that uh, is competitive. You know, like the whole World of Warcraft or Call of Duty sure. sort of thing. So I just want to be like more immersed in that regard yeah so i've been looking yeah more at stuff like that lately <laughs> have you checked out firewatch by any chance i was told like so many times to play that game <laughs> like ridiculous like and and that's more of like an experiential thing right like yeah i mean it's it's super interesting is art directed by ollie moss as uh, one of my favorite um illustrators art directors out there is it's beautiful game and then it's it's all about a story of a guy who um i don't know he like kind of tries to escape and and starts like up in a fire watch tower essentially like waiting for the forest to burn down essentially and you're having this conversation with a woman um and that's pretty much like the whole game is like your kind of conversation and relationship with her it's it's very interesting very and everyone should go download it i do not mind plugging this so hard yeah. because it's, it's really great and i i i think you'd super dig it and it's it's really reasonably priced too so yeah Man, that's crazy i had no idea that ali moss yeah had a hand in that too. i guess I, I see it now totally yeah no it's it's super <laughs> rad and yeah, we've got we've got a bunch of Ollie's posters up in our office and stuff. So, we bought like all the Firewatch posters. We're total nerds, but you know, yeah, very cool. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, no. So th- yeah, there's that because there's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of interesting like um, I don't know, just like experiential stuff, and and that does have a lot of animation in it. Um, whether that's games or apps, does that is that something that you've ever um, kind of had an interest in or um, thought about doing? Yeah. Um, so actually, my latest project um, that I did was actually for a Sonar Festival. Oh, cool! And it's this like music festival that happens in Barcelona every year. Yeah. And they, one of uh, the DJs that was playing, wanted me to do live visuals for oh, wow. the concert, and that was something that it was like my dream project yeah that's <laughs> essentially super cool. it, it it had everything that i'd ever wanted you know uh, creative freedom playing to um electronic music and and the last thing was creating like an experience for people you know yeah <laughs> and so uh it was a crazy ask it was like 8 minutes uh within like 2 weeks or like a week and a half or something wow, like wow, that wow. like something like unheard of and I, I actually didn't even, this is something that I never, ever do. And I, I implore nobody to ever do this, but <laughs> I was like, yep, count me in. Like I'm in before even hearing like any of the ask at all. I was wow. like, this is something that I need, you know, for myself. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of like a throwback to your DDR days, like that kind of, um, I don't know, that dance and inspiration and that kind of like crazy visuals um, going on behind everything. I think that's, yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we flew out there and that experience, seeing it um, on screen where all like the thousands of people are physical rather than, uh, you know, your stuff that's like on TV or online that that is reaching the same amount of people. It it was just like a different uh, type of feedback. You know, yeah, for like sure. especially because people were just like kind of getting hammered to it, too. It was like, <laughs> pretty interesting. <laughs> 
when are we going to see it? When are we going to see more of this? Uh, I'd love to um, see it and experience it. Honestly, like it, it shouldn't be out too much after this podcast. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I want to keep it relevant. You know. Well, yeah. we'll definitely share it on the Animalators Twitter and all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm so pumped to see it. That's awesome. Uh, who was the artist that, that was for? Uh, the artist was Eats Everything. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's like this yeah. uh, UK house DJ that I've, and that was the like I had listened to him a lot oh, in the that's past, sweet. and that was a pri- it's it 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 was the best one like an artist you listen to asks you to work on something. <laughs> that's <laughs> so again, awesome. that's why there was zero hesitation. Um, well, so another project that I really really want to hear about uh, is the the boomerang project um, that you did. Could you tell us a little bit about what uh, that project is, and then kind of the maybe the why behind creating it? Yeah, and uh, the inspiration for that project kind of stems a little bit off of what happened of original. And uh, original I had done all myself, and I felt like I needed to have my hands in everything, you know? And I realized, like, I was micromanaging, and um, I got exactly what I wanted out of it, but it didn't really give me the opportunity to really collaborate on something that I had started creating, right? <laughs> it didn't yeah. really give me a chance to, to direct at the end of the day. And uh, with, I, I tried to find a project that would allow me to do that. And, and again, from like me feeling shitty about that is kind of what stemmed uh, Boomerang because uh, I had watched like a while ago the franchise animated where they had like you know, like, you, you, have you ever seen that? The, the, yeah, the, I have. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, is it for, is that one for animography? It is. Yeah. It's where they got like an animator per character. Oh, wow. And it was like the biggest like collaboration like that I can remember on like, you know, <laughs> with like everybody participating in small scales. And like that, that would be good for me. You yeah. know? Like that would be good for me to, to really uh, connect with people more on a project by project basis especially something that I had designed. And from that, I, I kind of got the locals from Toronto who, um, you know, I, I've always loved working with or wanted to continue working with. And yeah, I brought cool. them in to, to share that. And like with John, like with us working together before, I always felt that there was the stigma where like the visuals had to define what the audio was. Hmm. And that's just because of like, you know, the way the industry works or like, you know, how um, projects are run, you know, you do the visuals first then you pass it off to your audio guy or your sound designer. Yeah. And I felt this was a good opportunity to explore that because the frames I had made were very abstract. So we got John in from the beginning and he had actually wanted to experiment with drum machines for like the longest time. And we decided that he should probably take, um, like the lead in terms of like starting up like that main piece. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. Like that. So, so, and that was, it, it actually went to the very opposite extreme that original was where it was just me, but I was kind of like, we were passing back and forth tracks and animations like every other day, oh, wow. which was very rare for me for like a, a personal project. Yeah. And uh, like he, like, and I, I still say this, like that project is like him. At the end of the day, because like if the audio like slays it, it defines what the whole piece was. It defined what I did, you know, and how I designed things after I got it. 
and it like and that 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 was also kind of speaking to like what the possibilities were if you really involved your audio guy <laughs> you know what i mean because people will really will will say yeah, yeah yeah you know like we're very collaborative this and that but like they they always kind of leave them on the sidelines and that's what i i wanted to kind of push away from like what i was doing you know it's like really involved john yeah that's awesome yeah and i see that you got also a few more animators involved as well and some additional design yeah so uh it was uh designed by myself and roger dario which is an amazing designer here in toronto and uh i don't want to forget anybody but the animators were uh louise campos uh rafael ruiz nick gerard and uh, leo mateus who was a tendril nice yeah yeah that's awesome yeah, and uh, Stephen Holman from Toronto as well. Oh, cool. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. forget that. I don't yeah. want to forget anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was very collaborative, and I, I put it up online, and we had a feature on Motionographer, which I was like super appreciative for. Yeah, Justin that's was great. Awesome. And something really funny happened at the end of that project where I was still in love with what I made, hmm. which is like super rare for me, or like I could like say with any artist, like. I was still like, I still liked what I had done. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Which is, it's a great feeling. Yeah, like it, it, it really is. But like that kind of spiraled into something else, um, which I'll touch on, is that I, I really loved it and I posted it and it, it didn't get the traction that I was, I thought, like it didn't get the traction that I had parallel to how happy I was with it. Hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, it, and it's funny. And I don't know if that sounds like, you know, I, I was just super appreciative to be a motion auger and stuff like that. And I, I don't want to sound like, uh, entitled, like I should have gotten more because just to be on that site is just like fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean though. But, yeah. but, but yeah, you know, you like, I, I just felt like, Oh, like I really want people to see this. Yeah. And I was, I kind of got into a right after that where I'm like, well, like, <laughs> Why am I posting things? Like, hmm. why why am I doing things? Why am I doing this personal project? Is it for the collaboration? Or is it for me? Is it for other people? You know, I had to loop back to, like, original and, like, why I did that, why I did the raccoon thing, and had to reestablish what defines my output. Yeah. <laughs> and... From that, now I'm actually working on a new personal project, which are kind of based on those feelings. Because again, like I started feeling really shitty. So I felt that was a good jumping up off point for something new. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, totally. And I love that concept. I really do. I, I mean, could you, I, I don't want to give too much away about your personal project. Could you maybe expand more on, on, I don't know, why do you think you post your work and, and why does that matter to you? Because I, I think that's something that um, I struggle with and I think a lot of people out there do struggle with, especially when there's that disconnect of like, man, like I'm really proud of this, but like they like this thing over here and like I, I thought this was great and like, but then like, is that what this is about? Is this about getting likes on Vimeo and like telling people, like people telling you that you did a good job and leaving you nice comments? I mean, it all seems just like so petty when it gets down to it at the end of the day day yeah i don't know well like have you arrived at a conclusion um in regards actually like you pretty much explained it pretty well <laughs> on what the 
the direction I might be heading okay. with that. Um, but yeah, like I, I, right before I posted that project, I had posted something that I did for HP. Yeah. Which super um, ad. I like it a lot. I was kind of like, the thing is that that was a really quick turnaround and I didn't really feel uh, I had put my everything into that. Mm, yeah. But um, I had sent it to a couple uh, colleagues and they were like, no, you got to post it. You got to post it. And I'm like, ah, I don't feel right about this. They're like, no, you just just do it. And I'm like, all right. So I put it up and I got a really good response with that. And I became really confused on like why I'm why I'm deciding to share this. Like, why did I post it after everybody told me? And like it became very apparent that my feelings toward a project didn't correlate with how other people felt. And I, I wasn't sure if it was because of the brand, you know, and people like it, it was good clickbait. So it got more more attention that way. Right. But but that was, again, like a turning point where I'm like, like, listen, I got to kind of shift gears here and not 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 like saying I got to. This is how I'm going to choose projects from now on. But I had to figure it out inside, like what what it means for me, you know, because like I, who am I to say like. HP isn't worthy of like a, you know, isn't worthy of con- being considered a good job, right? It totally is. Like it, it like I just feel like everybody has <laughs> their own perceptions and needs of what they need to get out of a project. And and I totally love working with like, like larger brands and stuff like that. But I need to kind of always go back and forth between something personal and something you know, for a client. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally <laughs> because, agree. Because it, yeah, yeah, because it like it, it feeds your soul, you know, and you yeah. gotta. But it, but again, like I can't say I can't speak for everybody in that regard. Like people like love working for client, and I think that's great. It's just it's something that I had to kind of reconnect with. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think that's. Yeah, I I think, and then for me personally, I think that's also true, and I feel like just being able to do something that you know. I don't know that you know you can make great and you know you can get up to your own expectations and there's no one that's maybe going to stop it from getting there. I think that's like, I don't know, you still have that. Like when you go home and and you had a tough day, like you still got that thing that's yours. And I don't know, that's how it makes me feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um well, unfortunately, we are we are running out of time, um, but we we try to end each show with the same few questions, um, just quick quick little ones. the The first one is, who is your dream client? Uh, man, that is a tough one because <laughs> I feel like I almost just had it. <laughs> you yeah, know? Um, I would say. I don't know. Like, I feel like like a Cartoon Network would be really cool. Oh yeah, do something that'd be rad. You know, that'd be awesome. Uh, anything like that, like a Nickelodeon would be pretty interesting. <laughs> do you, do you keep up with those? Like, do you ever like pop in and do you watch any Cartoon Network shows or Nickelodeon shows? Uh, I watch uh, a lot of Adventure Time, but I actually don't have, uh, the time to watch anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I need to get on that. I, I always like see like different stuff online and people posting about it, but I just haven't like sat down and, and dove into it yet. I really should. Oh, it's amazing. Like if you get a chance to watch it and, and pick up like uh, the art book, it's called the art of Ooh. Yeah. It's incredible. I'll it's like it such a source of inspiration. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> bad. All right. Next question. What is your favorite animated film? Um, I would have to say, I don't know. This is 
going to be a weird answer, but Space Jam probably. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Space Jam just because <laughs> like that was like, it, I mean like that's like mixed in with live action, right? Like yeah. that was, that was like my Roger Rabbit, I guess, <laughs> growing up. Wow. And I, I don't know, it was something about taking those characters and really like, I mean, like, come on, you're you're putting the Looney, Looney Tunes against, like, Michael Jordan in the basketball game, or with Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, wh- how did that even happen? Like, we're, like, who greenlit this film? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> and it's like, you know what, we need, like, you know, we need Technotronic in this, too. And, like, all, like, those classics. And it, it was just, like, it blew me away when I watched it. And I, and Are you I, pumped about Space Jam 2? Uh, I'm going to hold my breath until because that's been in the work for a while right <laughs> no i think i think it's like it's a done deal like i think lebron signed like signed on and it's greenlit and ready to go from what i understand uh, i could be wrong count me in man yeah. count me in <laughs> <laughs> all right next question what do people you love think you do for a living maybe um i don't know maybe you have a like a good story of a uh, parents or grandparents trying to explain to someone what what you do for a living Actually, like, my parents are pretty savvy, so they, they do know what I do. Yeah, that's <laughs> It's awesome. not the most interesting answer, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. All right, last question. What animal did you choose for your animalator and why? Um, I actually chose to do a butterfly. Ooh. Yeah, and that, that, that's just because of the patterns and, like, you know, the, the uniqueness of every you know, butterfly that I've come across and I know it, it seems quite feminine, but I think it's awesome <laughs> and I'm going to do it anyways. And like, really there's no reason, f- like there's no deep reason for that. I just, I just think that <laughs> they're, they're beautiful creatures. Sweet. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, for sure, man. Anytime. Animalators is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and created in collaboration between Identity Visuals and Gradient. To learn more about the work we're doing at Identity Visuals, check out identityvisuals.com or follow us on Twitter at Identity Visuals. And don't forget to go check out the brand new, just-launched website from Gradient, gradient.is. You can also find them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. And you can follow us on Twitter at Animalators. Animalators.com is another great website you should check out because there you can see Andrew's Animalator and all the other incredible Animalators from previous guests who have been on our show as well. To find out more about Andrew's work, you can head to his website at vuko.tv. That's V-U-C-K-O The theme music to the show was written and produced by Cody Fry. Check out more of his work at codyfry.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, or you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, YouTube, really anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And if you're into this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review or drop us a note. We always love getting your feedback, and when you leave us a review on iTunes, it helps other animators find this podcast too. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I can't wait to be back in a couple weeks for another episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. 